can't motivate people. We believe motivation is impossible. Meaning, you have in, motivation is intrinsic, not extrinsic. So you have to be motivated by whatever you're motivated. We can help help you identify that and, and clarify that. But ultimately, we can only inspire you. And our inspire isn't ruling with a hard hand. Our inspiring is showing you what you're capable of and helping you see when you're not in agreement with yourself. So culture's the thing. So people don't last in our culture. If they come in and they're they're egotistical and they're all about that or they're just whiny or or, or they're, they're, they're fooling themselves and don't show up, don't do the work. We just have an honest conversation. Listen. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Mark Dutton, a man who is a leadership coach, a real estate team leader, uh, an investor, and so much more. He's a parent of four kids like myself, so we have a lot in common in the fact that we're doing all of this with very little sleep and very little uh, extra time. Mark, if you're listening, you guys might be wondering, like, who is Mark? Well, first of all, Mark is a guy who came in from the outside. A lot of the people we interview came up through real estate. Their parents were in real estate or they started early. Mark came as a leadership coach from the outside, had tremendous results. So if you guys are wondering, what are the key mindsets? What are the key things that can help you grow in your business? This is a great episode to listen to. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Take us into it, man. Like, What was your background when you came into the real estate world? Oh, man, I am such a, a professional mutt in so many ways. Um, my education from college, I went to James Madison University, I had an undergraduate degree in sports medicine. Uh, so I was an athletic trainer, you know, the guy who runs out when people break their ankles, that, that kind of thing, right? Um, went to University of Tennessee for graduate school, got to work with the sports there at an SEC school, which is a great experience, just exposure on so many levels, you know, just scale of uh, business and performance and all sorts of stuff while I was there. Got my master's degree in sports management. Uh, and then after that, realized that uh, sports in that world is wonderful and fun to be a part of, but is no way a life. It is a life, not a job. There is no room for your life in that world. So got into medical device. So took the sports medicine, went to the business side, got into medical device, orthopedic sports medicine, was a product manager, um, worked my, in that industry. I'll cut to the chase there, right? In that industry, about 10 to 15 years as a product manager. Um, sometimes there are a couple of uh, definitions of product management is embedded CEO, right? You have to know all right. facets of business because you have no authority, but only influence. And you're trying to get people who are executives above you to make your priorities, their priorities. Um, and it just taught me a lot about business and understanding parts that most people don't ever get exposure to, right? Um, everything from quality to training to marketing strategy to manufacturing and, you know, product and supply chain and just very uh, center of the hub orchestrating all the parts. And so I learned so much about business because of that experience um, and also how to make things happen because people are the biggest challenge, not the not the finances, not the the, the, the technical stuff. It's the people, people to to, to move projects and projects. Uh, processes forward. So I uh, got into that for a long time. Uh, after just died, tired of the corporate world, I uh, finally broke out on my own and started doing some um, B2B consulting, helping small business owners and stuff, using my skill sets to help them scale and operate their business with more efficiency. Um, and everything from system setup and, and modeling to just staffing and, and um, operating, like, right, not operating in like computer nerdy stuff, but like, Hey, when do you meet? Who do you need to talk to? Who needs to know what? How do we clarify roles and responsibilities so that this place absolutely gets stuff done and achieves our goals? So that's my background, Your right? Your intersection of the business was probably bigger and more logistically complicated than most small business owners' entire business. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really is. So when you started working with small businesses, what were the biggest challenges that you were seeing people face? Just chaos, man. You know, like they were, they're so in the weeds and so disoriented. Um, they have a really unclear picture of their priorities and uh, just fire putting out, man. There's just, they're on the continuum. They were on the reactive instead of the proactive, like just far on the reactive side. Um, and you can't lead an organization or people when your eyes are, are down. And, you know, I tell people, you can't drive a car, dipping your finger in the gasoline tank to see how much gas there is and, and, you know, <laughs> checking the oil. Like you can't, you can't do that. Like that's why you have a dashboard and you have a windshield leaders glance at dashboards and keep their eyes on the road ahead. They don't, they're not trying to run the car and operate it and work on it all the time. And that's the problem is most leaders can't do that. And so I just really work on extracting clarity out of them, providing a picture of what they're trying to accomplish and then go back and build a system that they can trust so they can keep their eyes ahead. So let's, let's kind of break down this analogy a little bit. So the dashboard would be like both literal and figurative, right? The dashboard is the KPIs. It's the metrics that someone's trying to hit. What is the putting the finger in the gas tank? Is that just like being run over by your clients because they're calling you at their whim? Like what, what are, what are some of those things that you're seeing? I think a lot of it is in the employee stuff, right? The communication channel from different people within your organization who have different roles, whether it's, Hey, why don't we have enough leads or, or, you know, operationally, like our cost, our margins are too low. We're taking way longer to get things done than we need to. Um, and so they get to go down and they have to chase and they're trying to always problem solve, but they're not actually getting to the root issue. So mm. we like to throw KPIs get thrown around all the time. Everybody knows you need KPIs, right? It's a business basic. Most people don't take the time to make well-defined KPIs, not, at least not in my experience in, in a lot of different organizations I've either been a part of or, or coached. Um, it's like, oh, you know, we look at our sales numbers. They were down and we're freaking out. The dance between marketing, lead generation, creating business opportunity, marketing and sales, and operations ability to actually execute on that is constantly in tension. Either, most people either have too many leads and can't keep up with it because they don't have the systems and models to deliver the goods and services, or they've got, you know, goods and services and got it dialed in, but they just don't know how to bring in the customers because they're so, and it, it has a lot to do with personality. You know what I mean? Um, not most people just don't have all the pieces. Um, most people can't do all facets of it. I'm a big believer in EOS uh, traction, um, the entrepreneurial operating system. I've studied so many different models, but that one I just keep coming back to because it's just so applicable across so many different places. And it's not that I get so stuck in like, you have to use every one of their tools just right, but like it's communication, clarity of roles and responsibilities, clarity of purpose and mission, clarity of key performance indicators. Like we use EOS to run our real estate team. Our scorecard, man, our leadership meetings are so smooth and every, I miss one, my team runs it without me because they know it, they understand it. We know what we need to keep in front of us and it tells us where the flags are before, you know, having a, a freak out moment. It's like, oh, there's a trend here. Let's get ahead of it. Not. So my point is dipping your finger in the, in the, in the gas tank is getting into the weeds of stopping what you're doing and going in and like having to ask all your different salespeople, what's going on? Why aren't you selling anything? Or, you know, that's, it's that too far down the line to be able to keep, you, you've left, you've left the driver's seat. You're, you're over okay, so in someone else's world micromanaging essentially. So let's break this out. So you're basically saying, so a real estate team you have, or a real estate investing team, you have a leader that's seeing that sales are not where they want. And so 
if they had the dashboard, they would be able to see the picture without asking. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like, hey, they could see leads, flow, et cetera? Or, you know, tell me, tell me when a leader should be involved in that way and when they shouldn't. Yeah, so leaders should be involved in that when they see the problem, right? A good KPI dashboard is going to give me granular enough data to identify the, the, root, the root cause. Um, and so if I look at just dollars income, right? If I'm just looking at the P&L and I'm seeing our revenues down this month, well, you're not looking, you're looking at lag measures. You're not looking at lead measures. So KPIs need to understand the full breadth of each of those areas. So perfect example, like, is it because we're not doing enough lead generation, having enough conversations, right? Or is it because we're not converting appointments to, to signed? Is it, is it that we're not actually finding houses and winning negotiations? So it identifies where the breakdown is. Um, because if you know your numbers and you've built a dashboard, you're watching for that. So I'm not surprised if my team hits 50% of their appointments set for the month. I'm not surprised the next two weeks that we don't have any other contracts yeah. or the next month. You know what I mean? Like I can see those trends. It's not surprising. So it's, it's, it's getting <clears throat> the right pieces in front of you so that you don't spend too much time digging around to find what the problem is. The KPI should be able to give you 80% there right away. Every business owner, I think, generally understands that having numbers in front of them is a great thing because they can make decisions. And yet, almost every business owner that I know that small business owner doesn't have them. Like, why do you think it is that something that's so important to our businesses is something that people don't do? I mean, it's like they could just hire a bookkeeper, right? They can hire these things out. Why is it that, that so many resist? Clarity. I, I literally think people just don't know. Like, I think they know it's important, but instead of asking for help, AKA hiring a coach, hiring a mentor, getting an advisor to help them build that stuff out. They just see it as something they should do. I call it, you get shitted on, right? You get shitted on because you're being told you should do this. You shouldn't do this in a business. And they take it as, as, you know, legalism of like, oh, it's, I know it's supposed to be, but they don't understand my business. I've got all these other things going on. They just never take the time to do reflection and deep work of identifying with clarity what makes their business operate and how do we capture that? So the exercise of creating a scorecard or developing your KPA dashboard, it is not easy. It shouldn't be easy. If it was easy, um, your business is probably so simple that it's, you know, it's not really that going to generate that much, right? Anybody can do it kind of thing. But you really have to get intimate, intimate with your business and understand, break down the nuance of it and really identify what makes this tick. What's the fuel? What's the oil? What's the electricity? What actually feeds this and makes this work? And how do I monitor it and keep an eye on it? And because if we can do that, we can actually have our people focus on the right things too. So like a lot of times, uh, the, the, what I hear agents say is, okay, hey, I want to make X amount of money. And so I need to do X amount of transactions. They kind of do that mathematical, like, is that the clear? Conversion rate back down. It sounds like you're talking about something much bigger. Yeah, um, I think I think it has to be past the transactional aspect of it because again, we're dealing with human beings here, right? Um, there, so for us, we measure more than just KPIs from the standpoint of transactional appointments, right? That's just the sales piece of my business. What what is it? What is my quality side, right? We we track reviews. Are we getting the reviews from our customer, and are they good? Do we have any red flags, right? Red flags mean now we can dive into the weeds. There's a red light flashing on my dashboard. I need to go give attention to it. I need to go to the shop versus constantly checking in the shop to see if my car's there, right? Yeah. So um, so we've got quality scores of like reviews. We've got uh, agent activity um, compliance, for lack of better words. 
are our agents using our tracking software. We use Sisu as a tracking uh, dashboard for, for our stuff, right? Are agents entering data and using it appropriately? Are our people keeping their data clean within our database so that they are following up with leaving notes, making calls, setting reminders, following up on reminders? We keep a quality score on that. Um, within that, we do culture, right? Um, we do team versus agent generated leads, right? If we get six houses under contract this week, how many of them were team generated and how many were agent generated? So we're, 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 cause that's another thing I need to, we want to keep, we want to make sure we're bringing value. And if our team's generating 90% of our business and we're probably not going to be retaining people for very long. So it's that kind of a nuance where we've actually sat down and said, what else do we need to be? What's missing? And part of it's just starting with something. And as things come up, you constantly edit it and, and keep it up to date. So I do think it is. So all of it, right? Go back to EOS. You've got marketing sales, you've got operations, you've got HR admin finance. Um, you've got visionary, like what are our big problems and what are our big relationships? And I'm, look, I'm trying to think about the holistic, complete aspect of my business. We're looking at cash flow, like from a financial standpoint, like, because we, we if all this stuff goes well, I know what winning is as a CEO. My owner knows what he wants. My admin team knows what their success looks like. And if we're looking at it every week, the big things just don't get out of hand. Like you see it before it becomes a big problem. So again, if your oil is low and you're not paying attention and you don't have a dashboard light to say the oil's low, then your freaking engine seizes up and you're done, you know? And I think people wait and ignore problems because most of us as humans are great at avoidance. Right. So as you built out your KPIs and getting clarity, you probably set some metrics that just were either unattainable or didn't serve you guys. What are some of the things that didn't, hasn't served you guys that you see other maybe agents and business owners pursuing as well? Mm. Things that didn't serve us, but other agents do still pursue. Okay. Let me think for that for a second. It doesn't have to be agents that they pursue, but let's start with what, what are the things that that haven't served you guys that maybe like, thought, oh man, this is a great idea, right? Or this is a great metric or we're totally going to hit this. And then all of a sudden it was like, no. Yeah. I think, I think too much, too much uh, emphasis on the lag measures and unrealistic ones. Right. I think we've just for two, we've worked two and a half years in last year, man, our, our goals were just too high. Like just defeated feeling. Right. I think we, we get this idealistic view and expect that we're just going to launch off. We're a young team. We're still in the, but my the owner, my owner and I, uh, we we're kind of like, listen, we're going to hit a hockey stick at some point, but we're going to keep grinding on the things we know we're supposed to do, and our behaviors are um, our disciplines as a team, and we're we're patience really is what I'm is what I'm trying to communicate is we're willing to be patient. We're doing what we know we're supposed to do, but we know it doesn't happen overnight. And I think a lot of teams, and I think we've done this before, we give up too soon. Oh, this isn't going to work. Or online leads, big part of our, our business. We've invested highly in online leads. But man, 12 months in, we were crap. We couldn't get nothing going. And you're always on that tension of like, oh, do we do we just cut the tie and just give up on it? And then, you know, over the next three months, we 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 close six or seven transactions from like, okay, now we're starting to get traction. But I think people get too excited about big things and they don't get as excited or consistent and committed to the granular things over time and being patient. We compare ourselves to these big teams doing big numbers. And if we can't do it overnight, we think we must be doing something wrong. When yeah. I've yet to see anybody again with us, I'm like, yeah, they're doing that. But how long have they been in business? Some of this is just resilience, man. 
I, and I've seen a lot of the, the big team leaders that I've observed that really take off um, usually have a way of getting high quality leads for little to no cost. You know, whether it be they have like a brand ambassador program or they have vendors in the area paying for the leads or they have like a flex program. They have something where they are not paying up front for the leads so they can have much better margins and they can scale the team. Like, have you noticed that to be true for you guys as well? Like, I mean, like when you so much of our business is SOI. So you talk about low. We, we've we've just hustled in from from day one. Uh, Garrett Maroon is who introduced you and I. Uh, Garrett's 36 touch program was a huge influence on us. And we implemented it at a, at a high level with our team. Um, within 18 months, man, our team are, are producing, you know, one to eight pretty wow. consistently in their SOI. Um, it's just consistency and intentionality. You say one to eight, I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. You're talking about if they have eight people on their sphere list, they're converting one a year. Yep. Yep. So, 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 so like a hundred, a hundred people, a hundred people in that, in that database, one eighth of that one, one eighth to one tenth. Twelve and a half people. Yeah. 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 So like perfect example, Miss Yvonne is on our team, uh, came out, she, she was a professional in the medical, she's like a director at a hospital, like professional in the medical realm. Um, she is super smart, um, very involved in her church, um, is, a, is a, actually a pastor. She, she's got a great database. And so we always require our people to really push them to get 100 qualified people in their database right off the bat. Like that's what we make them do from day one. We always tell people, yeah, a lot of teams are like, we don't wanna focus on database too much because then they don't need us. And it's like, maybe. But we know this is the key to success for them and us long term. We hope to bring enough value where it's not that transactional. So we are, I call it the 401k of real estate. You come on a team that works your database for you and lets you keep it and grow it. Like we probably are ignorant, to be honest with you. We, we, we do not hold things too tight. We just believe in, to a degree, um, you treat people right, you do the right things, it's going to work out. Uh, we're not trying to squeeze every penny out of every situation. But Miss Yvonne came in and, and with 18 months, she did, I want to say 19 or 20 deals in her first 18 months of having her license, right? And and yeah, we gave her some deals from the team. She got some from online, some from, from Mega Agent Down. But for the most part, I mean, now she's she's going to be our first one to rank up to where she's doing, you know, eight, nine deals a quarter, right? And her SOI is just popping like crazy now. And she's, she's believed in the process. We got another guy, Daryl quit his job, jumped into real estate full-time. And in less than a year, he's done over 12 deals. So we're, we're, we're seeing this work and they, they're, they're engaging in the process. And so that's our lowest cost, right? For we're, we're doing 36 touch for 12 to 14 agents at like 700 bucks a month. 800 bucks a month. Like we're finding ways to scale this. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs.
we're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Let me break that down. Let me break that down real quick because I love these numbers that you're putting out there. And and thank you for getting the numbers. I can obviously tell you know them, which is so fantastic. So 700 bucks a month, 12 agents. I mean, we're talking about, this is like 50 bucks a month an agent, something like that, right? 50, 60 bucks an agent. So for 50 bucks a month, what would you say the average number of transactions uh, that agents are doing on their sphere? Oh yeah, for that maybe because man, so many of our fourteen agents, we've only got five or six that have been in the business for more than a year and a half. Okay, so we're very green, so our numbers are un, a little bit un, uninflated. So if I come to the top half of our team, we're seeing one to two, right? So we're we're really starting to see one to two per month for these agents who've been at this for over a year or two. Yeah. So let's say let's yep. say it's let's say it's one and a half, right? To split the difference. So uh, that's eighteen transactions a year, like average commission. Let's say it's ten thousand for easy numbers. That's uh, what is that a hundred? That's one hundred and eighty thousand dollars of commission, and you're talking about a six hundred dollars spend for seven hundred dollars spend for your yep. sphere. So over average, so like one month we'll do calls and texts, cost us nothing. One month yep. we'll do a, a client event, and we'll have our sponsors do all of it. Right. Oh, so yeah. our biggest cost is our pop buys and note cards because we got to pay for stamps for so many darn cards. Right. And, and the cards aren't that expensive. But by the time you do, we don't do pop buys for our whole. We only we say like, hey, take your VIPs, rotate them a couple every quarter or so. So you're hitting different people each time. So we've we've kind of economized it to a degree. We're leveraging social because note cards, we, we, we scaled back our note cards because they were so expensive. So I don't know about everybody else, but Q4, Q1 this year killed us crushing. And we just tightened down the straps and said, Hey, let's be in, let's, how do we stay in consistent and intentional, but just change our way of thinking a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're really starting to dial in, you know, some months it costs us zero and some months it costs us like two grand, but we're trying to space that out over the course and, and really less than a thousand bucks a month on average. Awesome. And so your approach to sphere is 36 touches a year. Yeah. Yeah. And it, again, it has, so I think that, that again, and we talk about a term that's thrown out and dismissed because it's just so saturated, right? What is, what do, what do we mean by that? 36 touch means I'm, I'm intentional about making strategic um, connections with the people in my database who communicated. So ours, Garrett teaches this so well, you got to qualify your database. Don't, don't throw out hopes and prayers at people that don't really care about you. You're wasting money. You're wasting energy. You're wasting time that you could be pouring into even more the people who actually do care and support you. So qualify your database. Make sure we use the, the, the um, Garrett's phrases. Um, hey, uh, I didn't know if you know that I was in real estate now, and I just wanted to touch base and ask if, if you had a friend or family member that was looking to buy or sell home, do you have an agent that you'd actually recommend to them? And if they say no, like, hey, I, you know, I would love to stay in touch. Would it be okay? You get their information, then you consistently work them. I get responses. I do video messages. Um, I, I still get, I mean, if I send out 150 video messages uh, one month, I, I probably get 35 to 40 like responses back. People love it, right? They, they, they love the fact that they're thought about. All of us, me included, we just want to be noticed. We want to be cared about. We want to be appreciated for who we are. And I think that's the beauty of that. It's just consistent and intentional. You don't have to spend a fortune to do this. It's, it literally has more to do with emotional 
investment than it does transactional financial investment. 100%. So when an agent joins your team, the first thing that you help them do is set up their sphere process, right? So that they're getting a lot of transactions, one to two transactions a month coming in at very low cost to them, very low cost to you guys. So it's a very, very profitable scenario. What, how do you guys structure how much you spend on leads, how much you do to grow the other parts of the business? Yeah. So you mean like as far as percentages of expense and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we're trying hard. We were out of model. Honestly, we were out of model because they started by hiring a CEO, which was looking back. I don't know what we were thinking or they were thinking yeah. when they hired me. Like it was just, we were, our overhead was so high um, that the numbers just never made sense. Now we know where we need to be um, and we've cut our expenses and really managed it, but we really are trying to keep expenses um, down to 30%. Our biggest issue is cost of sale, right? Yeah. Coming from an outside in, I think it's interesting how we how people like MREA even, I'll, 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 people are going to like throw tomatoes at me through the internet, but like MREA, you know, the cost of sale, like GCI created re uh, referrals, um, market center caps, like, right. Yep. Paying caps is huge, huge piece. Right. And then, and then agent agent commission for processing the deal where our cost of sales high. Um, mainly because one, our mega agent isn't in production anymore. So everything's handed off to somebody else. Um, we, we pay, a, we pay a team cap and don't have our agents pay half caps. Um, we've worked hard to almost create our own brokerage within a brokerage, meaning we're outsourcing the cost of brokerage and, you know, and the headache of compliance and all that stuff. And that's all we see it as, Hey, we're just outsourcing this piece. This is a cost of doing business for us. And then we want to bring as many agents success and to help them to succeed inside of our world as possible. And we want to create a world that retains them. So uh, really and truly getting our salaries down. I think we're down now to 50. No, we're, we're down, I think we're down to 10% or less. Like we're really working on getting that dialed in. But I, going back to what I was saying is, I think that some of the calculations are very opposite than what I would see them as coming from an outside world, right? I don't look at GCI as revenue. I look at what hits my bank account as a team. And yeah. then what are my percentages? Because I don't, you know, I don't, I, I get it. But from a financial review, I honestly, I need to be monitoring. I do monitor costs of sale. I do monitor how much GCI did we create and where is that money going? But I do that on the front end. And then my books, I really monitor profitability through how much revenue did we produce this month? How much money are we spending? So I kind of keep those things separate, if that makes sense. Operating expenses, salaries, and then cost of sales, kind of a separate animal in my eyes. Um, but yeah, otherwise we're, we're just trying to keep marketing under haps. We have a LSA with a, with a, with our um, lender, they're paying half of our online leads. Um, so, and then we, when we do our events, we have sponsors between, um, our lender and our pro our title company and our, our insurance people. Um, we're always getting those people to help sponsor our events for our clients, uh, to help cut or minimize or completely eliminate the cost of those events. So. Really and truly, we're we're working hard to try to get to 30, 25 to 30% profit end of day uh, percentage by end of year. But some of our overhead, it, you just have to have more volume, more agents, more volume to make that some of that well, fixed cost. Yeah. So what do you think would be the obstacles to getting there 
what do you, what do you think has to happen to get to get you that goal? I mean, because like what I hear a lot of is, you know, be, becoming an, a successful agent is already like a, enough of a mathematical feat if you look at the numbers, right? But then you have the number of people that go from being a successful agent to a successful team leader of a profitable enterprise that doesn't kill them, right? Is very, very low, like even lower than what it takes to be successful as an agent. So what, what do you think you guys will have to do to hit that 25 to 30% profitability? And uh, where do you think uh, it, it really like hits people why they're not able to be successful? culture surrounding themselves with the right people i think we most of us still tra we all process things tra transactionally rather than transformationally um our biggest asset right now is our culture we have people coming to our team not because of our numbers of production but because of the group and the the, the people and the energy we have as a group we care deeply about the people we're growing as people people love being in our world um, i think people sacrifice that um I'm a huge fan of Patrick Lencioni. Um, he is my leadership crush uh, because he's so dang simple. Like he just doesn't overcomplicate stuff. And uh, in the, the byline on his book, The Advantage is uh, organizational tr health trumps everything else in business. Um, so it, we may not rocket ship the, the, the short term. We may not rocket ship like some other teams who, you know, they just, pump money into it and just drive and hustle and grind. And th there are people who are getting successful as team leaders way faster than we are. I believe we're going to outlast a lot of people because we have culture and we protect it viciously. People don't survive in our culture when they don't fit it. Okay. If someone comes in and their, their ego is just too much, you know, uh, Lynchioni defines humility as not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Right. Totally. So when, one of our, one of our, we have three, three core values. I preach them and repeat them all the time. Values are not something we throw on a wall and say we have, it's something we live every day. Our values are generosity. Uh, it's time, gift, and talents. Everybody who comes into our team, I don't care how long you've been there and how long you've been an agent, you have gifts and abilities that you can contribute to the team. And we expect you to do so. And we're going to all, everybody, it's not Jordan and Mark pour into everybody. It's Jordan and Mark pour into each other and everybody and everybody else pours into everybody too. Right, it's it's that culture. We expect you're here for everybody's growth, not just your own. Um, our second is discipline. Right, we're a military centric team. We have like five active duty agents that are active duty military. We have retired agents. Jordan's a 15 year Navy vet. We've got spouses, so we have a lot of military centric culture in ours. And I love working with my military people. I'm not military, but I've never been happier in a work culture than I am today. Um, so we're disciplined, right? We do what we say we're going to do. We hold each other accountable and we, we keep to the agreements we make with ourselves and to each other, right? So that's a core pat aspect of who we are as a team. And our last is the positive vibes. That people aren't holding accountable. People say, hey, I'm going to do X and they don't do X. What happens? I think, I think that it's not black and white. It's not dualistic thinking. First of all, it's not, you fail. It's, it's mm -hmm. re remembering the why we do it and seeing the pattern, right? One of our cool exercises that Jordan launched is he has a performance metrics, right? What are my daily non-negotiables? What are my business non-negotiables every day? We have everybody on the team write down five to 10 of their non-negotiables for each. And we have a culture of, we throw them on our Slack channel at the end of every day. Does everybody remember it every day? No. Is everybody perfect on it? No. But we learned that just helping them measure it and throw it in front of themselves and have accountability makes them want and desire more. And so we just, Call it like we see it. Hey, listen, you needed two appointments this week. You haven't done it. What are you going to do? I need to double down this week and, and get back on it. Awesome. Right. We can't motivate people. We believe motivation is impossible. 
meaning you have in, motivation is intrinsic, not extrinsic. So you have to be motivated by whatever you're motivated. We can help help you identify that and, and clarify that. But ultimately, we can only inspire you. And our inspire isn't ruling with a hard hand. Our inspiring is showing you what you're capable of and helping you see when you're not in agreement with yourself. So culture is the thing. So people don't last in our culture if they come in and they're they're egotistical and they're all about that or they're just whiny or 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 they're 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 fooling themselves and don't show up and don't do the work. We just have an honest conversation. Listen, we're here for you. You're not showing it unless you convince us otherwise it's not worth your time or ours to continue to pour into this situation. And 90% of the time people rise to the occasion. So generosity Accountability. Take us through the rest of the core values. Yeah. So generosity, discipline, and discipline which comes with accountability, yep. right? And the last is positive vibes. Whatever your belief and whatever your hope and faith are in, cultivate it, grow in it, and show up every time you show up for pilot for a client meeting or for a team meeting, you show up as your best self. Amazing. You have built a team that does over a hundred transactions a year. You didn't even have a license when you started, right? Just coming in with those principles. What do you see as your vision for your life and business in the next 12 to 18 months? That's awesome. Um, first of all, I didn't build it. Uh, one, so big a part of it is everybody contributed, but Jordan and I's um, like, we're so opposite. I'm very detail oriented, nerdy operations, but very leadership, big vision focused as well. Jordan is creative. He's a magnet of, of talent. People just love to be around him because he's a genuine person. It's, I think our relationship and the way that we operate together is the, is kind of like the nucleus of the health of our organization, right? We are honest and open with each other. We deal with conflict. We don't avoid things that are hard and we capture it. So through that, we've been able to build something quickly over the next 12 to 18 months, man. Um, I see, I see us expanding, uh, as a team we're, we're looking. So our vision is to be the military resource of choice at all the major military cities across the U S we want to be the USA of, of real estate. It's a big vision. I think it's, uh, people, some people are probably like, well, that's cute. You know, <laughs> that's fine. Like maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're right. We'll see. Uh, time will tell. Uh, and so over the next 12 months is, is just, man, just continuing to dial in and calibrate our ability to train agents. Right. I'm, I've, I've kind of taken over the pilot, the, the productivity coaching program within our agents don't even know how to log into the MLS. And we, we ask them to like write a CMA, like we, we've got to break things down more simply and actually coach these people to the basics and give them the support and resources. So we're going to, we're going to become top notch in training agents from, from the very, very, very most granular things. Um, for me personally, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful to get into 18 to 24 units annually for my personal production. And I want to develop my own leverage here. I'm an hour north of my team. I, and by the way, we run this whole thing remotely. I live an hour away. Jordan is the team leader, but he also transfers between Dallas and Virginia. And our admin marketing manager is fully remote. Our TC is fully remote. We run the whole thing this way. We have a hub. We try to get together every Friday in person at our market center for our all hands meeting. But man, it's like, it's not that we've kind of broken the mold on that. People have been like, oh, that's not going to work. I'm like, we'll see. It's starting to work better and better um, because it's our anchors are bigger. Um, but I think we'll hit 25 agents in this hub. And then we will, we will have planted at least one market center. We're in the looks of doing so uh, in another military city. 
and we have our eyes on two of the other biggest naval bases in the country. Um, and so really it's to transplant our culture more than anything else. Yeah, we have models. Yeah, we have systems. But how do we transplant our culture into these places and continue to invest in people, help them grow in the process? Um, and then lastly, man, it's it's really about um, investment wise. So much of it's organic, but so much of it's stepping out of my comfort zone. Um, Jordan and I just tried to invest in a quadplex um where without any of our own money, we got all the way to the closing table and our capital investment didn't come through and we had, we lost the deal. But man, going through that process just stripped me of so many of my insecurities and doubts and like showed me what was possible. Um, we were trying to syndicate it really. Um, and yeah, just continuing to put myself out there and put myself out of my comfort zone where I don't know all the answers um, and learn and experience so that I can not only grow wealth for myself and for, you know, for my family, um, but also we, one of our core visions is to, is to increase financial literacy in our team and our clients. So we want to be able to speak to, Hey, here's how you actually structure. It's not just, man, you got to get wholesale. Like we, we started these end goals and the, these lag measures and no one knows where to start and they get overwhelmed by it, but actually create an environment where we can support train and, and rise our agents. So I, I would love in 18 months that, you know, all the agents that have been with us for over a year and a half, two years, that every one of them have started their investment portfolio. Incredible. Mark, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business. For those of you out there listening, write down something you learned from today, whether it's maybe focusing not so much on the lead lag measures, the quick math that people do at the beginning and maybe focus on like, what's the reason behind what you're doing? What's the mission? How do you create the right culture? There's a lot of things we talked about today that might benefit you and your business. Uh, Mark's given you some blueprints on how to build a profitable team, which is not always easy to do, but it is doable if you do the right thing. So uh, write down something you learned, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 